and I look back and I can't even see the snowmobiles. They're just gone. <laughs> so, whoa, whoa, you drove with them unattached? We didn't have any. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's seven o'clock in the morning. We got to be at this event at nine or whatever it was. And, you know, governor, it's a governor's snowmobile. Right? Wow. It's the way he handles them, I don't know. Welcome back to the interview podcast on the Y Millbank Podcast Network from Millbank, South Dakota. This is Craig Weinberg. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you want to help support the show, you can go to theinterviewpodcast.org, click on the Donate Today button, and you get to choose the amount of value that you got out of the show. Turn that into dollars and send it our way so we can continue these conversations. Today on the show, Chad Coppice, Dakota Graph on the interweb on Facebook or Chad Coppice. Chad recently retired from the South Dakota Department of Tourism as the photographer for the last 28 years. He now photographs for South Dakota Magazine. He's also an Evil Knievel fan, a rock and roll music photographer, uh, custom guitar artist, <laughs> and a good storyteller. Hope you enjoy this conversation with Chad. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Were you part of the start of that thing? I was one of the founders of the shootout. Yeah, it was me and a, and a guy named Scott Howard, who uh, he worked, he did the uh, video production at the state tourism department when I was oh, doing the so stills. it was an inside job. Yeah. All right. Um, it, and it, it came from the two of us traveling all over the state and having a lot of time in the car to talk to each other and, you know, brainstorm, mm -hmm. come up with ideas. And uh, he said, you know, we should have a like a photography festival weekend or something. Yeah. And I think the original idea we came up with was the Black Hills with all the tourist attractions would have a special weekend that, say, uh, reptile gardens would bring a bunch of snakes out and put them in the grass so they looked more natural and the photographers could t come take pictures did, of them. Did you have shoots like that? Uh, we've done a little bit of that okay. kind of stuff, yeah. Um, and, it, you know, the 1880 train would have a special... Mm -hmm thing for photographers and stuff and it it didn't quite evolve the way we'd envisioned at first but you know became this two and a half day workshop that's evolved many times over the i think it's 12 11 12 years i can't even remember but um that's so. the, the black hills photo shootout right <clears throat> and that has well i first really heard about it in 2019 which, yeah. I mean, I'm going to blame Jay Graman for most of the, for the last two years of my connections with people. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're here because of, directly because of Jay. Yeah. Um, because I met you out there briefly. And right. Then, um, it, it's kind of weird. He's he's unfortunately or fortunately in the mix of a lot of connections that I've had in the last few years. And it's really cool. Well, um, that's good. It, I, it's just amazing. That, yeah. That that one thing, that one connection can just kind of spiral yeah. out it's really cool it shows how connected we are well and and jay's a networker oh so totally that yeah. doesn't surprise absolutely me. yeah um for a long time more than a quarter of a of a century wow. <laughs> which is wild to think about you were the i believe the tourism photographer for south dakota yes i was 28 years um the official title at the end of things was um 
Now I've forgotten already. It's, been it's only been months. six months since you've been <laughs> retired. Come on now. Well, they changed it under, <laughs> you know, some cool sounding title. The one that made the most sense to me over the years was senior photographer for South Dakota tourism. Um, well, would that imply there were juniors underneath you? There was for quite a few years, and then that faded away. But basically what we had was a summer internship. Gotcha. For, you know, college students who were into photography. And and so I had this junior photographer for for the summer. I, boy, I don't remember exactly how many years of the 28, but probably roughly 20 18 maybe i'm not sure now does that does that mean that you got the pleasure of doing all the winter photography (laughs) sure if that's the way you want to put it yeah pretty much uh you know and and at the tourism department the summer is the is the main yeah you know time period the oh that's when all the fairs festivals rodeos all that kind of stuff is going on and we need pictures of it and if we've only got one photographer you can only be a a couple of those maybe in a weekend so having an, an intern to send to two more of those was mm-hmm. a good thing. Yeah. So, um, How did you get that gig? How did I get the gig? I, if we go back to the beginning of my photography, um, I started taking pictures in high school. And at the, roughly the same time, I started working at Crazy Horse Memorial. That, okay. was, that was my summer job um, all the way through high school and college. And so taking pictures went hand in hand with working in the tourism industry. And uh, so as I went through college, I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. Um, My initial thought was that I was going to work for Hot Rod Magazine, and that didn't seem to be happening (laughs) magically. So... Um, how how were you pursuing that? Uh, I <laughs> or not <laughs> really wasn't, but you know, was just hoping it would fall yeah. in my lap somehow. Um, so anyway, as I was going through college, uh, you know, people would say, "Oh, you're going to work for newspapers," and I'd say, "No way, I, d- I don't want to chase ambulances mm-hmm. and do that kind of thing, not at all." And oh, so you're going to be a portrait photographer? I was like, "Nope, nope, <laughs> never even thought of that." <laughs> Weddings? No, absolutely not. So there was a whole lot of things that I knew I didn't mm-hmm. want to do, but I wasn't sure what I did. And um, my senior year of college, just about as I was ready to graduate, a uh, photography professor at Black Hill State University said, you know, the state tourism department has this internship. <clears throat> and he said, I think you'd probably be pretty good at it. So I applied, got the job, and I went, Ding, the little light bulb went off, and I went, that's what I want to do. So was there someone in that role as, as the senior guy at the time? Right, yeah, okay. there were. There were actually two senior or full-time photographers mm-hmm. at that time with the tourism department. And uh, funny thing is, I was an intern the same summer. Uh, Paul Horstead, who's a very well-known photographer out in the Black Hills, was an intern with me. And so it was kind of cool. That's cool. But... He ended up with the full-time job before I did. Mm. <laughs> but Did you get the more fun long-term full-time job? Uh, I don't know. You'd have to ask Paul, I guess. I'm not sure. Nice. <clears throat> but, so, yeah, anyway, that, that led me into – I had a connection with mm-hmm. the tourism department, and I kept in touch, kept sending resumes and, and stuff each year, and finally, eventually. Because were you in Missouri? Indiana. Indiana. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, and you shot a lot of races at that point, right? Like, or some yeah, you were into the- yeah. I was working for a daily newspaper there, but oh, in the newspaper um, world, how about that? Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. <laughs> we should go through this in the timeline so that <laughs> it all makes sense of why that happened. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> But yes, I did end up at newspapers. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent, I think it was six years shooting newspaper stuff. And, you know, and I can't complain. It was good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great training. It was, you know, learned a lot and, and got to see a lot of cool stuff. Um, but yes, uh, when my wife and I decided we were moving to Indiana, I told her, I said, you know, I've always wanted to do this racing thing and there's really not that much of it in South Dakota, mm-hmm. but uh, the state that has the Indy 500, I'm right. guessing <laughs> there's, there's a whole there. bunch of racing there. Yeah. And yes, I I spent every Sunday night at the local dirt track. Right. I shot the Indy 500 twice. Officially? Um, like four? Yes. Really? Yeah. Um, How? What was that like? Intimidating. <laughs> you know, I mean, for me coming from South Dakota, then jumping into this paper in a totally new location, mm-hmm. bunch of people I don't know and everything... And they said, oh, yeah, we could, you know, you can probably get a press pass to the Indy 500. <laughs> and they said, nobody at our newspaper has ever done it before. I'm like, what? <laughs> wow. So I actually filled out all the uh, application stuff, was accepted, got the press pass. And so I called the Speedway and I said, <clears throat> okay, I'm going to come shoot the race this year. But I've never even been there. I don't, I've mm. never seen the place. I don't know what this mm-hmm. is all about. If I show up, you know, next week, can somebody give me a tour? And I'm thinking it's going to be an intern. Some high school student's going to yeah. show me stuff and everything. And this was like before, like just so you could get a lay of the land. Yeah, this is not just, during the race. No, this was, yeah, nothing's going on at the Speedway the day I show up. And the head of their PR department <laughs> comes what? out and says, hop in my car. And he drives me all around the Speedway and then shows me where the garages oh, are. Wow. Where all, This is where you get interviews with drivers. This is all. It was amazing. But wow, so that was great. I had that that little intro, mm-hmm. but then race day came, and I'm like, there's half a million people here, and all sorts of big time media. Mm-hmm. And every time I turn around, I'm running into one of the TV crews from ABC TV and stuff, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm I'm a lot intimidated. <laughs> I think I'll just go stand in the corner over here. But I did, you know, once I figured out where I needed to be and mm-hmm. shot some pictures and stuff, it was really cool. Did you do that again after that? Like, how many times did you, were you able to do I that I actually again? did that twice. Really? So the second year was a whole lot easier. Oh, I bet, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. And then the, the, the job came open in South Dakota. Yes. Um, like I say, I was never intended to be in newspapers, and uh, so I was always kind of keeping an eye out and... And keeping in touch with the tourism department just in case. And they called me. Well, it was funny. I, I, I had actually decided that um, Indiana's not forever home and we need to move back to South Dakota. So I had taken a job back at the newspaper I worked at in Sturgis. Really? And about two days later, the tourism department <laughs> called me and said, we have an opening. Are you still interested? I'm like, yes, oh, please. <laughs> well, here's the thing, oh, you know. No. <laughs> But it worked out great. So, That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so then that was just the last quarter century. Um, <laughs> Stop saying it that way. It's just fun. It's crazy because <laughs> <laughs> um, in that much time, and like with your job being 
show people the state. Right. Like that's the really the foundational goal. Yeah. What did that look like? Did that feel daunting or was it just a fun assignment to jump into? I, I don't think I ever thought of it that way. No. Um, you know, it, it was fun. Uh, for a lot of times I described it as I'm a professional tourist. That sounds awesome. I, I'm going <laughs> to all the, those fairs and festivals, rodeos, powwows, whatever kind of event you've got going on. I'm um, stopping in all the state parks, national parks, shooting pictures of wildlife. You know, I'm basically doing everything you would do on your vacation trip. Mm-hmm. And I'm and getting get paid, paid to, to do, do it. it. <laughs> How yeah. lovely. So it was fun. Did that give you, because we have some national parks. Is there mm-hmm. two? Is that right? Uh, or, I mean, there's the big ones. Yeah. How many national parks are there? Mount Rushmore, <clears throat> Badlands, Jewel Cave, Wind Cave, Minuteman Missile Silo. Oh, I forgot about that. And the uh, Missouri River National Recreation River. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> it, it's mostly down in the southeast part of the state. Um Roughly from Springfield. Don't don't try to look up these borders and <laughs> tell me I was wrong because I'm probably am. But roughly from the town of Springfield to past Yankton down to Sioux City. Okay, and maybe even further than that is the National. I, I might have the title quite not quite right, but National Missouri Recreation River. I think is the way it's titled, and that is part of the National Park really? Service. So yeah. just part of the river. Mm-hmm. As it goes through? The reason being that it's um, as untouched, as mm. unchanged by man as, okay. as, pos- as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And so there's, uh, you know, natural stretches of the river that aren't over flooded by the dams and that sort of thing. Gotcha. <clears throat> Did that ever cause any, um, like, access issues? Like, being the state tourism photographer, could you go anywhere on in the national parks as well without any issue or did you have to get as as long as i didn't cause any problems or do anything i shouldn't be yeah um so digging around in the bunkers behind rushmore and all that that's probably something that was off limits <laughs> we, did, we never did that no I, I'm just actually assuming national treasure is true <laughs> okay no let's talk about this movie Ooh, let's do it let's let's talk about hollywood in bit oh, that's um funny. No, actually, there was a period of time, um, Rushmore's a lot more uh, shut down and controlled now, especially after 9-11 and everything else that's happened. Um, but Was there, there a big change right after that? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, what pre- was the Previous worry? to that and a couple other political issues and things, I'm not even sure what all exactly happened in the timing of them, but before all of that kind of stuff, if I called out there and said, you know, we'd like to get up on top of the heads to take some pictures, usually the answer was, when are you coming? Really? Yeah. So um, that's a lot different now than it was. But So, yes, I've been on top of the heads. I've been behind the heads. I, I can tell you what's real in National Treasure and what's not. <laughs> I mean, I assume Hollywood never lies. So Wow. I mean, okay. <laughs> clearly. You, no. you have some things to learn. <laughs> clearly, no. <laughs> It's fun to think about, though. It could be true, except it's not. But it could be. Well, there is, um, there is the. It, it, is there actually like a uh, the mysterious hall of records? Yeah, but right behind the heads, directly behind the heads on Mount Rushmore is a, a, a tiny little valley. Like the the heads aren't really as 
as thick, as deep as you think they are. Um, uh, uh, Roosevelt's head is just barely wide enough to walk across the top of it. Really? Yeah, it's got that big drop-off on the front that you can see, and it's got almost the same drop-off on the backside. Wow. So there's a little valley right behind the heads there, and in the the next rock over from that, uh, Borglum intended, he wanted to have, he called it the Hall of Records, and he was going to have the actual uh, Declaration of Independence and Constitution moved there, sealed in this rock vault thing. Was this just like a pipe dream in his head? Well, I think he thought of the whole Rushmore thing as this, uh, you know, symbol like of democracy. Gotcha. And, okay. You know, the center of everything mm-hmm. that is America kind of thing. Right here in South Dakota. <laughs> right. That sounds so, good. <laughs> so he he had this idea. He carved a square tunnel into the Rockaways and at the same time was trying to sell this whole concept mm. and it never materialized. So that's all there is there is this square tunnel tunnel that goes into the rock how boring and just, Chad, you just ruined it for everyone there's a time capsule <laughs> sealed in the floor you know you is, can't is see really? it you're never gonna yeah they they put one in there at the uh one of the big anniversary dates mm-hmm. of the carving okay so there is something there you know and i think borglum's idea was he didn't want the rushmore to turn out like the sphinx or something where we're not totally sure exactly Mm -hmm. what this big monument is so that was his idea was we'll explain all this Mm -hmm. so it'll make sense thousands of years from now how uh commercial has that gotten over the last years some years i won't say quarter century again (laughs) (laughs) thank you um commercial uh rushmore yeah i mean because and here's the the downside for me is I have lived here for 14 years and I've only been able to be there once. Oh, it's really sad. So yes, it is. I, you know, so I, I, I've seen it one time and it was right when I moved here in 2008. Sure. Um, pictures I see seem like it's more like they've built more of the, the public areas up and there's a lot more of that. It, it, it is that fairly new? Like, was that all there I, back when you started or no? Um, I honestly can't remember the dates of exactly when they did a giant um, restructuring of the the facilities there, mm-hmm. but they did uh, basically tore down the existing restaurant, gift shop, museum area, uh, tore out all the walkways and everything, and redid it so it looked completely, totally different. Um, do I call it more commercialized? Not necessarily. It's. I think it, it, the idea was we've got way more visitors coming now than we did when this stuff yeah. was originally built. So Gotta we house need them properly. Yeah, yeah. We need better facilities, and they've just done in the last year or two. They've done another remodel of what they already had, uh, which I haven't been out there to actually see it. It it just got finished up. I think late. This last fall, and I haven't seen. Oh, it. so it's that recent. That's, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, it's it's not a major reconstruction, but they removed some uh, archways that were blocking a view from mm-hmm. certain angles, and moved uh, the avenue of flags. They moved where all the flags are set up and stuff. So, um, so yeah, some people would say more commercialized. Uh, the parking lot used to be completely, totally free, and and um, just an open air multi tiered parking area now it's a multi-level parking oh, garage structure. Okay. and you do have to pay for parking <laughs> so you gotta pay for that facility somehow yeah all right what is the 
coolest thing in South Dakota that nobody knows about? I just told you the Hall of Records behind my house. Oh, so- <laughs> <laughs> um, that nobody knows about. Or not many people. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, you spent, you had the luxury right. of yeah, and, being and able to explore. Yes. How awesome. And, and every once in a while I forget that everybody else doesn't know and hasn't right. been to yeah. every place that I have. Um, boy, there's some really cool stuff. Uh, there's some hidden treasures that I used to say I don't even want to talk about because I don't want people, too many people to find mm-hmm. out about them. And then the internet came along ah. and Facebook and everything else. And, and so people are finding the coolest hiking places. Like, um, there's a spot in Spearfish Canyon called Devil's Bathtub that used to be one of those that there was no sign. There was no designated area. You, you just know, had to you find ju- it. You just had to know about Ooh. it. And it's super cool, but now it's become one of those places where they're they're talking about building new parking lots mm-hmm. and re rerouting the trail because it's so overused and there's so many cars parked along the road right where it is now. So, you know, there's a bunch of those kind of places yeah. that um there's there's another one out near Keystone called the Hippie Hole. Um, I've been there once. <laughs> I probably will never go again. It's it's a very, very steep hike down to it, and it's a cool little waterfall into a swimming hole. Mm. That's It's a really awesome place, but not many people get there, and the ones that do um, are pretty <laughs> serious hikers, I yeah. think, you know. So, yeah, there's there's places like that around the state that, that I wouldn't have probably known about if I wasn't yeah. in that job. So you left tourism uh, mm-hmm. to, retired from tourism, to go... Uh, and joined South Dakota Magazine. Correct. It just seemed like a pretty natural fit. Yeah, totally. Um, it seems like they're cheating, actually. <laughs> it's like they're getting the encyclopedia <laughs> of the state. Well. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. I, I, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I, South Dakota Magazine started, I should know this, I've worked there six months now. That's too, right. But, <laughs> Um, I don't remember the exact dates, but it was at the time period I was in college. Hmm. And so, you know, working into photography and thinking about what jobs do I want and, and knowing, oh, wow, there's a state magazine now. Maybe that's a possibility. Well, I I was just aware of it for mm-hmm. quite a few years and stuff. Um, but then through my job at the tourism department and stuff, I'd, I'd end up in Yankton where their headquarters is quite often. And so... I would stop in the office and say hi, see what's going on. They were using my photos every every so often. Not I wouldn't say every issue, but they would call when they had a certain story they needed illustrated and stuff. And uh, so I just kept in touch. And over the years, you know, we we become good friends. And as soon as I I realized, oh, my retirement age is coming up for the state. I could move on and do something different. I thought, oh, I think the, you know, yeah. the magazine sounds like a logical next step. So I started talking to them about it, and they were pretty positive about it. They, they said, yeah, let's <laughs> let's do this. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so here Silly I am. Not to. That's awesome. Um, so now you get to go around the state on a much more leisurely pace, right? Uh, yeah, somewhat. Yes. Um, well, the tourism department. I was, I was 
feeling the need to be out there almost every weekend, all summer long, especially, and, you know, doing all those events. And uh, as as things grow, grew, the tourism department's been very successful at growing the tourism industry within the state, and that meant more events in the spring, in the mm-hmm. fall, in the winter. So it was, you know, all year long I was out doing something. <clears throat> the magazine has slowed that down quite a bit, which is okay with me. It, you know, they, they're, uh, we only publish twice of, I mean, every two months. Mm. So, um, there's a little less pressure to have things done all the time. And at at the same time that we are still building up a, a backlog and a database of images from across the state, just like the tourism department did or does, um, we're not, we don't need as big a one. Mm-hmm. So I'm not on the road as much. And that's, that's okay. At my age and at my stage of my career, that's fine with me. Yeah. Well, that, it's cool because it, <clears throat> it brings you here. It's, it's rare that <laughs> we get interviews on this show that are actually in studio. So it's, right. it, it's a treat. So yeah, I, it's pretty cool that that job brought you to, uh, to Millbank. I expected to be sitting in front of my computer <laughs> exactly, at home. Yeah. And, and then I was like, wait a minute, I think I'll be right right there that's so. perfect literally down the block which yeah. is fantastic um <clears throat> you have some connection to the rock and roll world a little bit some <laughs> yeah that was uh another one of my dreams in in high school um I, I should say when i when I, I i mentioned i wanted to work for hot rod magazine my dad had taken me to a couple drag races at at mary in south dakota uh, when I was in junior high. Because he drag raced, correct? <clears throat> no. A little bit? Or did he just go attend? Yeah. Okay. We were just there to watch. But he had borrowed a, a camera from his office and took some pictures. And somehow that just sparked an interest in me that I was like, oh, man, not only would we get to go see these cool mm-hmm. race cars, but we can take pictures of them. And, and he was shooting slides, so I'd put them in the slide projector. Oh, cool. Project them onto my T-shirt, stand in front of it like, <laughs> oh, wouldn't this be cool if I could have yeah. a shirt like this? And um, somehow that that's what sparked everything. That's what I, made me want to be a photographer. But at the same time, I was also discovering rock and roll music, and I was like, man, that'd be cool to shoot pictures of concerts, but mm-hmm. I have no idea how you do that. Right. So it took a while, <laughs> but... Um, in uh, in college, I started shooting the bands that would come to local bars and stuff, and and I wasn't trying to make any contacts really. I was just having the fun for myself. Mm-hmm. But I would shoot the band, and you know, back then it was get some four by six prints made, and the next time the band came to town, I'd make sure I'd go and show, and them, show to them. them, and <laughs> and they were all like, "Wow, this is cool! Can we buy these?" And you know, after a while, it was like. Maybe there's something here. And I thought, how do you shoot the big concerts, mm-hmm. the big arenas? And I was in the Black Hills area, and bands were coming to the Rushmore Plaza Civic Center in Rapid City. And so I would call the Civic Center and say, you know, I'm with the college newspaper. Bunch were of you? BS. <laughs> yeah, I was. But at the same time, we didn't care. We didn't need pictures of this concert coming. But anyway. Of course you did. <laughs> It's appealing to college students, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd tell them, you know, I'm looking for a photo pass, and they'd say, well, you need to talk to the record company. 
And so they'd give me a phone number and I'd call there and they'd tell me, hey, you talk, you need to talk to the band's management. Oh, they'd get, you know, and they'd go through this line of phone calls, but eventually I'd get to the right person and they'd say, yeah, you'll, you can have a photo pass for whatever. So first show I shot was REO Speedwagon and Cheap Trick. Oh, and wow. Yeah. So pretty cool stuff. Like, uh, did you have access everywhere or were you um, limited on where you could go? Most concerts most of the time is first three songs and right at the front of the stage in the pit and then you were done yeah like you had the after beginning three of the songs, show and you were you're done. done yeah is that because stuff went on that they didn't want photographed later <laughs> yeah basically they were you know we do the really cool stuff at the encore oh, of the show right. and stuff and we don't want people to see that this was way before the internet mm-hmm. and all that everyone's cell phone yeah <clears throat> so um yeah that was always the rule three songs and some of them were three songs and then you have to leave the photo pit and they didn't pay any attention to you after mm-hmm. that. So if you mm-hmm. wandered up into the rafters and shot pictures from far away, they didn't know, they didn't care. Um, and some of them were three songs and you will bring your camera back to this back room and we'll lock it up and you can go watch the rest of the show. Wow. They were, yeah. was that, yeah. a, was that the record label making that decision? Uh, yeah, probably. Wow. Um, or a PR company. I'm mm-hmm. not sure exactly how that all worked. And I remember, I think it was Van Halen, was three songs, you will take your camera out to your car, and if you have a ticket, you can come back in. Oh. <laughs> That's it. So they didn't really want you there. <laughs> yeah. Three songs and you're out of the building. So wow. Yeah, it was always interesting dynamic. But things have changed with cell phones mm-hmm. and the internet completely different than it used to be well it, it's crazy the quality you can get now oh yes yeah. I, I saw chris stapleton in sioux falls a couple of weeks ago uh, i guess it was before christmas and i just sitting where we were it was one of the best sounding shows i've ever been to um whoever that sound engineer is they are a wizard mm-hmm. and should be clapped on the back because it's insane uh, i just sat there with my phone iphone 12 pro the the audio quality I mean, the video yeah. quality is pretty darn good. Yeah. The audio quality blew me away. Just sitting in well, there, picking up the ambient noise and, in the and room. think about it, how it used to be. I oh, mean, if man. you had a little microphone that, yeah. at concert volume, that microphone oh, just all distorted blasted. And yeah. Out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found, <laughs> I have an old digital recorder that I found from, it must have been like 2001 or two, and I had taken it to um, a metal show in Portland that I, I used to live in Oregon. Sure. <clears throat> And I think it was Lincoln Park that we saw. And I went back and played through it the other day. I was able to plug it back in and get get it working. I don't know why I took that thing there. It's yeah. the crappiest sound, but it was weird because the nostalgia of it yeah. took me right back to that show. Yeah. And that that was kind of cool. But yeah, nowadays, my goodness. Yeah. You have cinema machines in your hand right. now. It's and, crazy. And I got to believe that all of those concert promoters that were trying to control all that stuff back then are just like there's no sense in it oh they're probably you can't stop anything Mm -hmm. so yeah and and the bands are all you know somebody shoots something like that at a concert post it on on social media and the band recognizes it and Mm -hmm. comments or gives it a thumbs up so yeah or and like on youtube because i just because i wanted to have them up there i put on a youtube a little tiny youtube channel i have um just the three videos from that stapleton show and of course it's his music, 
copyright claim. Yeah. So any monetization he gets, so they're winning sure. across the yeah. board. It, so yeah, man, it, the it, more it, the they, merrier. I they think they finally figured out that yeah. it's not hurting them. No, not you know, at all. That's you know that was the three songs and you're yeah. out of here, right? Because you're somehow you're going to make money off of us and you know, <laughs> no thanks. Right. <clears throat> so you uh, you toy about in with guitars right now. Yeah, I do. Custom guitars? Uh, or what, what do you call that? I have to call it just like decorating guitars. Okay. Um, Is it for like people to use? Like, do people say, here, make this guitar special? A or? couple of them have. Really? Um, it started with just me. Um, I I tried to play guitar in high school and was not any good. I discovered I have no rhythm, so <laughs> nobody's going to want can, me in their play band. play the camera. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had given up on guitar for many, many years when my son started getting in, into the music industry. Well, not industry. In high school, he had bands that that would practice at our house. Mm. So all of a sudden, there's drum sets and guitars and stuff all around our place. <laughs> and so I'd pick one up every once in a while and go, gosh, this is cool. It's fun, but oh, I suck at this. <laughs> so, um, so I still <laughs> let it sit for a while. And then... He started working at a guitar center store and was getting a discount. And I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. maybe I should try this. <laughs> so I got a guitar and, you know, realized I'm still bad at it, but I'm just going to play in my basement for, for myself. Mm-hmm. It's not for anybody else. I'm not recording videos and putting them on YouTube or anything like that. It's just me. And the minute I got a guitar, it went to the artistic visual side of it more than the music side of it. And I'm like, oh, yep. what can I do to customize this thing? And so I've been playing with them and painting them and carving them and and uh, taking my photographs and making um, like like a car advertising wrap. Yeah? Yeah, I just took a bunch of pictures, photoshopped them into a collage, took it to a, 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 a print shop, mm-hmm. had them make a advertising rap on vinyl and yeah. pasted that on a guitar just done a bunch of stuff like that so yeah i don't know last several years i've probably done 15 20 of them for people most of them are for me yeah um so do you have this cool museum in your house yeah that's what my wife calls it <laughs> I, I think other people would call it something else but <laughs> there's a lot of crap in my basement yes fantastic <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, as far as other people, um, I, I through all this photography and all this stuff, I've I've gotten to know the band Little Texas. They were a country band that was mm-hmm. big in the '90s. Had their biggest hit was God, uh, yeah, God Bless Texas. Mm. Um, yeah. And so I'm, I'm actually friends with them. And Dwayne Propes, their bass player, called me one day and said, "I, I see your guitars on Facebook." He goes, "I got one that." It's been sitting here in the corner and waiting for something to do. If I send it to you, will you paint it for me? And I said, sure, why not? So he had this idea. He wanted an Eddie Van Halen stripe type of design, but I took it and uh, mixed a little country in it because they're a country rock band. And so I did a red, white, and blue uh, Buck Owens guitar Oh, cool. <laughs> design on it and then put Eddie Van Halen stripes all, all nice. over it. And uh, so I, I told him this is the Buck and Eddie <laughs> bass guitar <laughs> and sent it back to him. And he loves it. And he's been playing it on stage for the last two years. Really? Yeah. 
And uh, oh, that's sweet. Somewhere in that whole conversation, the reason he had an extra guitar sitting around was he had worked for Gibson Guitars at one point in his life, and he had extra stuff. and And I mentioned that you know, well, most of my guitars I I don't spend as much as you mm-hmm. would for a Gibson. I'm I'm on the low end of things. I'm just it's more about the look than the yeah. sound. Yep. He said, "Well, I can probably help you with that." Oh. So awesome. It took about a year and a half, two years or something, but. This uh, last fall, the band was coming through South Dakota, and I intercepted the tour bus and met up with him, and he handed me a Gibson SG. Oh, cool. Really? Yeah. So that was a a really cool deal. That's awesome. Yeah. That one you're probably not going to touch? Or did you already? Already. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, To be honest, it it had a broken headstock. Which is part of the reason he gave it to mm. me, but um, still, I had a local luthier fix it for me, and it it seems fine and everything, but it it had been mistreated in some way, and I didn't ask Dwayne whether he did that or he got it this way. I don't know how it, <laughs> but it came out of Nashville, so I oh the history you know, of that would right, be cool. Yeah, I'm like it's all beat up, and it came out of the Nashville honky tonks mm-hmm. or something. I don't know the whole story here, but. So, yeah, it, it got a custom little Texas <laughs> paint job on it. So. That's crazy. How has Sturgis shaped tourism in South Dakota over the, <laughs> over the years? Tourism. <clears throat> it has, uh, well, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally is by far the largest tourism event in the state. I mean, there's nothing mm-hmm. that even comes close. And, and and to my way of thinking, there's nothing that comes close in almost the entire country. Right. Um, I've always said this, and I, I tried to get the tourism department to do something with this statement, and they never did, and I don't blame them. I don't know what I want them to do with it. But, <laughs> but I've always thought that Sturgis has an impact in a much wider circle around the epicenter of it than any other event in the whole country. Hmm. You're, you're going to find Sturgis t-shirts and you're going to know that bikes are coming through, mm-hmm. going and coming from Sturgis and stuff for hundreds and hundreds of miles away from Sturgis, many states away. Yeah. You're not going to see that with the Super Bowl, with uh, Mardi Gras, I, you know, any of the big NASCAR races, anything like that. There's nothing as big as Sturgis. What about like Daytona? Um, the the that is that not even in the same league? You know, I haven't been to Daytona, but I've been to Indy several mm-hmm. times. And in when I was going to Indy was in the '90s when it was as huge as it ever was, mm-hmm. and you did not see that impact. Mm. You know, if you were a hundred miles out, you might notice, okay, there's race fans and there's right. there's t-shirts for sale at the truck stop or whatever, mm-hmm. but that was about as far as it went. Is that, you think that's because Sturgis is so small normally? Like it's just so remote and out of the way that for I, it to have that big of an influx of people, you have to come from everywhere to be able to bring that many people? Not necessarily. You know, I mean, yeah, there's probably something to that because Sturgis is not a major city mm-hmm. like New Orleans to mm-hmm. then have an event like that. Right. Um, but I don't think that accounts for why I found Sturgis items for sale in a truck stop in New Mexico. Mm, good point. Yeah. You know? Right. So. Like souvenirs. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. So, huh? What exactly caused that, other than the explosion of population or popularity of Harley Davidsons mm-hmm. and motorcycles in general and stuff that happened over the '90s and 2000s? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but to me, you you can tell Sturgis is going on in you know four states away. Yeah. yeah which you I don't think you can say about any of those other events. Mm-hmm. So as far as as Sturgis affecting tourism in general in South Dakota, it's just blown over all of it, you yeah. know. Um we used to kind of say that you know, we the, the tourism department didn't do a whole, whole lot to promote Sturgis because they didn't need <laughs> Everyone to. else did it, right? right. Yeah. There was not a real big need for it, and also, it kind of scares away the average normal mm-hmm. tourist. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but, it, is that like has that been borne out? Because I, I mean, the the Harley crowd has a reputation, right? R- right or not, has a reputation. Yeah. Um, in Oregon, before I moved here, I was a motorcycle safety instructor. Oh, sure. So you know, I I was in the the legal side of um, motorcycle riding out there. Sure. And so you get the old, you know, the, the, the little people that want to buy the rice rocket mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the Honda riders, I was one of those. Um, and then you get the bikers that have to take this class because the state says they have to take it. Yeah. Um, it is an entire culture. Yeah. Has that kind of remained this, like, does it have a bad rap because, um, like, or does it have a bad rap? I guess is a better question. Or, or is it, has it morphed into just a big, fun event? Oh yeah, you know, if, if you're talking about Sturgis itself, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. you know, is it is it one of those places you should be scared of and not send your family to? <laughs> Only if you're going to the wrong parts of it. Mm. You know, it, if your average typical family with a couple of kids wants to go see what this whole thing is about you can go and walk up and down main street in the middle of the day and you're probably going to see a few things a few nasty sayings on Mm -hmm. t-shirts a couple of things that you didn't want your kids to really see otherwise it's just a big festival amazing Mm. you know it's really cool you're not going to see something like this anywhere else um but that being said, if you're looking for the wrong thing and you're <laughs> you're gonna find it <laughs> at night and you're in the wrong places, mm. there's quite a bit of strange stuff going on. <laughs> and you know, I'm not that kind of person. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've seen a little bit of it over the years and stuff, but I don't go seek it out. I don't need pictures of it. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, somebody who's never been, you know, hears that I've been to the rally. I don't even know how many times. <laughs> But they'll go, oh, I bet you have some interesting <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> pictures. And I'm like, no, yeah. I, because I don't need those. I'm mm-hmm. not looking for them. I don't want them. Yeah. And you can go without that. Mm-hmm. So. So where did your love of evil Knievel come in? <laughs> um, <laughs> or, I'm a child of the 70s. That's all there is to that. <laughs> We we had cool stuff. The cool <laughs> that cool is so guys true. like Evil Knievel, Muhammad Ali, mm-hmm. and Kiss. And, oh yeah, you know all of these wild, outrageous characters. And Evil Knievel was one of them that that uh, somehow caught on. It was not because 
we had motorcycles around our house. I was not allowed to have one. They were very dangerous oh, yes, and, yes. you know, you, you're not going to touch one of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, it wasn't about that. It was just about the flamboyant, cool, spectacular. <laughs> Daredevil. <laughs> character that he was. Yeah. Um, and so every time he was on TV, I watched it, you know, and it was, again, it wasn't, this was way before the internet. You didn't, you couldn't just look up stuff. You mm-hmm. had to wait for whenever it showed up on TV. And then be there at the right time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be repeated yep. again ever. Can't yeah. pause it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It was just one of those really cool things that I I loved Evil Can Evil and uh, that whole red, white, and blues, you know, star spangled outfit and cape and all of mm-hmm. that was just amazing to me. And it was one of those things too. Growing up in South Dakota, you you. Never really expected to be around that kind of stuff. You didn't get to go see him perform. You didn't, you know, it was just one of those things you did see on TV and you kind of dreamed about, but you Mm -hmm. never knew anything. But over the years, um, I kind of wondered why he wasn't part of the whole Sturgis rally and the biker culture and stuff like that. And he eventually was towards the end of his life. Showed up at Sturgis a couple of times, but somehow... That whole thing, he was a little bit, if you look into his history, he was a little bit of the anti-Hell's uh, Angels mm-hmm. end of biker type of stuff. And so I don't think he quite fit in with that. Mm. But uh, I've seen his son, Robbie Knievel, jump at Sturgis and uh, went out to Butte, Montana, where Evil's hometown is. And they had, for several years, they had an event called Evil Knievel Days, got to meet Evil there. And stuff. So that was really fun. That's cool. Yeah. I I just, when I first found you a few years back on the interwebs, um, you have these little pictures, video of evil flying around the little toy. Yes. (laughs) When did you start um, playing around with that kind well, of, that was like, one of those things. Pictures. Along with real motorcycles, I wasn't allowed to have those toys mm. as a kid. That was only going to lead to bad things, you know. Oh, it's a bad influence, the toy? Yes, if if you've got this little plastic toy and you're jumping him over cars and canyons. And you're going to go do that yourself. You're going to eventually try that yourself and you're going to get hurt (laughs) or worse. And so you're not getting that toy. (laughs) So that was always one of those uh, unicorn Mm -hmm. things in my mind that I never had as a kid. And... A couple of years ago, a company named California Creation started making the toy again, and I went, I need that. (laughs) (laughs) And as soon as I got one, I started making videos with it and just having a bunch of fun with it. And uh, they had a video contest that I ended up winning. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah. So there was a cash prize, and I said, I don't want cash. I want more bikes. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, that's, that's cool. Awesome. You know, and then the next thing you know, they're using my videos for their advertising and we're talking back and forth and and got connected with Facebook groups of a like minded bunch of us, you know, fifty, sixty year old guys who are playing with toys from our childhood and <laughs> and we're all doing it and the next thing you know, we're creating an event at the uh Very serious? Corn Palace. <laughs> yeah. It's like Comic-Con for Evil Knievel. Well, not quite, <laughs> not quite. that big. but You're um, telling me no one showed up in a cape? N- no, somebody did. Oh, there you go. <laughs> right. 
but uh, no, a good friend of mine, Brian Clock, who um, runs Clockworks Motorcycles in Mitchell, um, has an event every year that the day before the Sturgis Rally mm-hmm. starts. Uh, or, yeah, the day before. Um, big party in Mitchell, and they've had uh, real daredevils come and jump on Main Street in Mitchell and that kind of thing. And I, so I've been to that several times. And uh, two years ago, Brian called me and said, hey, you got these these videos that you jump in your little toy evil Knievel cycle. You should come do that at the our, really? our oh, pre-Sturgis cool. party. And I was like, no. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Well, I was, I was like intimidated about being in front of a yeah. crowd. You know, I'm like, I'm only jumping that thing like four feet. It's not like it's <laughs> super impressive. So <clears throat> I told him no that year. And then this year, um, the, the toy company had been talking to me about, we, we want to create some kind of events where kids can play with the toy and get excited and, you know, mm-hmm. buy more of them and stuff. And I said, I think I got your guy. Oh, cool. So it ended up that we put this thing together. Uh, Brian's show was already going on, which is a, a mini bike rally. It's basically for everybody who's going to Sturgis mm-hmm. and coming through Mitchell the day before, they'll stop and party that night and then go on to Sturgis the next day. Um, so we had... I want to say it was six of us that are semi well known in the <laughs> evil, the evil, evil world. toy <laughs> world came and uh, jumped our bikes on a stage That's on Main so Street. Cool. I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> what, what a great thing, though, especially for the younger generation. How cool! Yeah, yeah. and oh, and we had we had lanes set up where kids could play with the toys. Um, you know, and I wasn't sure. I mean, that was part of the the whole point of this thing was kids today don't mm-hmm. really know who evil can evil was. Yeah. Um, they don't see him on TV all the time and everything. So they're not sure. So we weren't sure. Are they going to care about this toy? Mm-hmm. We, we had like 10 lanes set up where kids could sit down and, and rev him up and jump. And those were busy all night really? long. They were, they <laughs> loved it. They were having so much fun. That's cool. We sold a bunch of toys and we gave away a bunch of toys that night. So, so you think this will happen again? Uh, some version of yeah. it. It might not be exactly the same thing, and it might not even be in South Dakota. They're talking about doing them at Daytona, and oh, cool. um, there's some big event in uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, that they're talking about. So, yeah, kind of cool. Weird. I, yeah, that's I mean, so fascinating because it's wild how much <clears throat> how much can generate out of this state. It really is. Oh kind yeah. Of, yeah, Amazing. that's, uh, you know, like I said, as a kid, you know, you like Evil Knievel, but he's not going to jump mm-hmm. here because he can't sell enough tickets at right. one of his events. Um, you like all these rock bands and they're not going to play here. Well, now all of this yeah. stuff is happening here. Sturgis is yeah. enormous, enormous. Um, any big name concert, there's a pretty good chance it's going to come to South yeah. Dakota at some point. Oh, yeah. You know, like Metallica it, played here a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, I saw Metallica in Rapid long time ago now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I've I've seen Garth Brooks. What did you do? Nine days in a row in Sioux Falls. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and he he did you know the tour before that he did something similar in Sioux Falls and the same in Rapid City too. Really? So yeah. Wow, it is kind of wild. When I moved here, I, there was a band called Project Eighty Six that I in the 90s, loved. Sure. They were a kind of an alternative Christian, like, hard rock band. Mm-hmm. Um, and just in the, I think, 96 was their debut album, 
their self title. And I remember having or 98. I remember having it and it was really cool. And then um, I had the chance to see them one time up in Moses Lake, Washington, I think. And so that's neat and everything. You know, you get the chance to see them and they're back. At, you know, I still like them, but I moved to South Dakota in 2008. 2009, they're in Millbank, South Dakota. <laughs> wow. Like, are you that's kidding great. me? I had to come to Midwest, tiny town. And that band that I grew up with comes here and plays. I got to photograph them. I got to be in, you know, just yeah. super cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's just bizarre. What happens in this state is amazing sometimes. Yeah. I, I was just in Watertown yesterday and I noticed the old Shopco building has been turned into some uh, event that, center. Yes. And Brett Michaels is coming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes. Whoa. Yeah. And I heard it's a pretty cool little venue. I, I have not been in it. I heard it, it was pretty yeah. decent. Yeah. Yeah. It's just totally wild. Yeah. And heck, there's sushi in Watertown. Mm-hmm. That's actually not we, bad. <laughs> we have some in Peter as well. Excellent. <laughs> uh, when did, or, or not when, um, okay, when? When did you see the digital revolution coming to photography? Oh, geez. I don't remember dates. And, and, and for um, you, was it a, yep, this is where we're going, let's jump in? Or No, of course, for me, it was like, oh, crap, I have to learn something new. <laughs> Um, no, I, you know, I mean, I think for a lot of us that grew up in the film industry, we weren't sure if mm-hmm. this, is this anything we even need to pay attention to or is it just going to come and go, you know, and, and those first cameras were so low on the quality that you weren't too concerned about it. Right. You know, so like I said, I don't remember specific dates, but I, I remember being aware of some pro photographers are starting to go that direction. Um, but I held off probably three, maybe four years. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to my boss at the tourism department saying, it sounds like the digital thing is probably going to be the way of the future. Do you think I should do it? And they looked at me and they said, I don't know. That's, that's, no, that's you know, your you're job. supposed to tell me. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> and one of the things is I'm not a gear guy. I'm, mm. I'm never been one to learn all about the latest, greatest technology. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some guys know every brand of camera and what they're coming out with and all this stuff. The only time I ever do that is when I need a new one. Then you start digging around. I research Mm -hmm. what's available right now Mm -hmm. and pick one and purchase it. And then I promptly forget everything, you know, and I just use this one until I need Mm -hmm. a new one. So I'm not, I'm not usually worried about what's coming down the road. Um, You know, and of course right now the thing is mirrorless cameras is, kind of the same revolution that digital was. Yep. So um, I'm shooting with a mirrorless now, but as far as what's the latest, greatest mirrorless camera out there, I don't have a clue. Um, But yeah, so I made that jump to digital, like I say, about four years after I thought maybe I should pay attention, you know. And uh, it took a while. I went to several workshops and learned, you know, because I had not used... Photoshop or anything like that much. Oh, right. Because there that. was no reason to. Right. Yeah. You know, it was out there mm-hmm. and I'd been aware of it and done a little bit of training with it, but not really much. So the switching to digital was not only learning a new camera and what it does, but all the computer stuff right. too. And at the time, I had been shooting slide film and we would go out and shoot slides and then send them off to Kodak. And they would come back magically as these little slides in a box. And you'd sort them all out, throw out the bad ones and keep the good ones, you know. 
now all of a sudden I have to do all that stuff that Kodak did. (laughs) You know, so it just felt like, oh, man, there's so much to learn Mm -hmm. and so much time-consuming work I have to do that I didn't do before. So it was quite the transition. But once I got a handle on it, Mm -hmm. learned it, felt comfortable with it, and realized this is way better, you know. And, And there's kind of this wave now of younger photographers discovering film yeah. and going back to yeah. it and all this stuff and i'm like no way exactly you yeah, know? No, that's my th- <laughs> I, my dad shot film as a hobbyist for years growing up when i was growing up and i had a film camera for a minute never i mean i shot some i've got old pictures of my truck that i took years sure. ago and um but i jumped in fully digital professionally like when i started this yeah. business 17 years ago i was digital and so I I don't know the other side. And my thought is, why in the world would I go back? I mean, yeah, there's some boutique, you know, some craftsmanship you can do. If you're going to do the dark room, if you're not doing the dark room, in my opinion, I'm not going to. No, my yeah. dark room is right here. It's a right. whole lot easier. It's no and messy. I hated the dark room. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did that newspaper work. Oh, and you so had we, to do your own. We were right. shooting black and white, and I did all of the darkroom work, and I hated it. <laughs> so you don't want to go back at all. enjoyed it at <laughs> right. all. So no thank you. You know, and I just laugh when people come to me and go, mm. yeah, but that, oh, it's so kind of magical to see that picture come up in the chemicals and all, whatever. It, it's true. It is magical. Yeah. yeah. Just like the Polaroid. Yeah. You know, shake that baby. <laughs> yep. Starts showing up. Uh, it, is it similar, do you think... Um, you know, because if, if you talk to audiophiles, they claim that fresh vinyl, that virgin mm-hmm. vinyl, is the right. best sound you're going to get. Um, is it similar? You think? Seems or like it, it to me. I'm, I can't yeah. really speak to the vinyl thing because um, I'm I don't care. That was another one of those things when I was in high school. You know, my buddies would be spending a thousand dollars on a stereo, <laughs> and I oh, was yeah. spending a hundred dollars <laughs> and and getting a thousand dollars worth of records. Right. You know, I'm yeah. listening to all this music. Mm-hmm. You got one album, and you're listening to it. it's so clean and crisp. And <laughs> I'm like, whatever. <laughs> Do you still have that collection? Uh, my son does. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's so, fantastic. I, yeah. I, to me, the. Because we grew up with a record player that pushed a button and brrr, came out, yeah. of the, out of the wall. My dad had this machine that awesome. it came out. and uh, So we had gob of records, but I don't know where they are now. Yeah. But yeah, to, to answer your question, I I would imagine, yes, the, yeah. the slight imperfections and stuff mm-hmm. that's in film was probably the same thing that's in vinyl. Yeah. And, you know, it, to some people it makes it better. Better, yeah. To me, I'm like, uh, I'm okay with sharper, crisper, mm-hmm. clearer sound and visuals. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. Um, do you see, uh, like in this magazine, um, is it solely like things in South Dakota or is it a storytelling magazine? I would say both. Yeah. Um, you know. It's probably not not necessarily a question I should answer as far as, you know, it should be Bernie Hunoff, the founder of the magazine, and, and Katie, who's our managing editor now, should probably, you know, be making those kind of calls. But um, I think we're, we're really looking for anything that's mm-hmm. interesting in South Dakota, whether that's a, a story about a company or a person, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever else it might be. Um, it, I haven't heard of 
anything that's in South Dakota that we would say no. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's, is is the target audience people in South Dakota or is it because I, I don't even know how the magazine world works because obviously some are national. But it, sure. is this really specific to if you're in South Dakota, this is the magazine for you? I think I probably started out that way. Mm. That would be my guess anyway. Yeah. Again, I wasn't there. And, and, at that and this time, is not an interview with the magazine. Yeah, so I just want no, to know that's, that. I, I'm that's just fine, curious but, with your. Um, you know, I think it was originally meant to be for South Dakotans, yeah. by South Dakotans, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but the way I understand our subscriber base now, a whole bunch of it is people who have moved out of state. Ooh, and they want or, to bring that with them. Right. Or snowbirds that are spending the mm-hmm. winter somewhere else. Or, um, you know, parents that still live here, but their kids moved out of state and they yeah. get them a subscription, that kind of thing. Um, so I think it's become anybody who has any kind of interest in South mm-hmm. Dakota, not just those who live here. You and Jay Graman have partnered up recently yep. to do some workshops. Right. And I missed the last one you did in the Badlands. I, I noticed. Yeah. I, I was in uh, <laughs> traveling. Um, but you have one, is it in Wyoming? Yes. That you're doing in is May. It, is that in May? Yep. And that's with, uh, is there buffalo involved? Bison? Um, it's in the town of Buffalo. Ah, okay. <laughs> I, I so we, I, we might see a Buffalo, but gotcha. that's not necessarily <laughs> what it's about. Um, well, how did this kind of, this partnership, uh, take off and what's your, um, what are you guys going to do with it? Back when we started the, the Black Hills photo shootout, um, Jay was a participant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was the second year he came and I met him that, that year and he's come several times since and we just kept in touch. We, you know, hit it off got along well and stuff and about three years ago uh the the or the folks that were organizing the shootout it, it kind of fell apart mm. the, you know they had their own issues and stuff and so it looked like the event was probably going to die and jay contacted me and said what do you think about you and i taking this over <laughs> and at the time i was still going full speed ahead on the tourism department and i said i don't have time jay yeah. Um, you know, the two years that we ran it through the tourism department, it took up almost all of our time. The two guys of mm. two of us that yeah. were doing it. And that was partly why we had given it up. You know, the, the state said, okay, you've got this thing established, turn it over to somebody else. And right. so we did. Um, and so I said, Jay, I, I just don't have the time to really do it. And he said, well, I'm, I'm going full time with my photography business and I want to do this anyway. So <laughs> he took over the reins grabbed it and ran with it. And somehow I haven't got out of it. <laughs> so, so what he did is he hooked you in the back and yeah, said, come on, you're kind coming. of something like that. You know, I don't, I don't know if he realizes I feel <laughs> that way, but <laughs> he does now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I mean, I helped him. I, I have a lot more contacts. Jay lives in mm-hmm. Minnesota. So he knows the state, he knows South Dakota and the Black Hills area very well, but not as well as I do. And I have a lot more contacts with different mm-hmm. people and stuff like that. And so I helped point him in the right direction or whatever and stuff. And, and also served as an instructor during the event for the last, like I say, I think it's three years he's taken. Right? Nin- yeah, 19 was the first one, I think. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, but then this last year he said, Okay, I'm. I think I'm ready to start doing a few more extra workshops throughout mm-hmm. the year, not just yeah. the one event in the fall. And I said, okay. 
you know, and I was like, I'm not sure if this involves me or not, and I'm not sure if I, you know, have the time and yeah. inclination. And and then it turns out I was retiring from tourism and taking a new job, and I wasn't sure mm-hmm. where that was going to go and how much time that was going to take yet. And so I just kind of said, okay. But this uh, this year, as we were putting together the shootout, he said, I think I want to do one in the Badlands in late fall like mm-hmm. November and I said okay yeah I can, I can probably help you with that so we did that one and it went well and then he's like okay what are we doing next <laughs> right <laughs> and he, he said I'm thinking Wyoming and I was like oh that totally and sounds like I, <laughs> I have spent a lot of time in Wyoming so I, I knew it well and I'm like mm-hmm. and he has not He's he's been there and he's yeah. on vacation trips and stuff, but he had not really spent a ton of time there. So I was like, oh man, <laughs> if he's going to do this, he needs some help. <laughs> and, uh, I suppose I'm the guy to do it. So we talked about it, and uh, there are a whole lot of photography workshops you can do in the Grand Teton National Park and mm-hmm. Yellowstone National Park. And we weren't sure we wanted to compete with right. what was already established out there. And I said, well. How about the Bighorn Mountains? Um, The town of Buffalo is really cool. I've spent a lot of time there, and I actually know a few people there and have some contacts, and I know locations and places we can go. And uh, he agreed, and we we liked the idea that, as far as we know, there's never been another photography workshop in that area. So, um, So that was our plan, and it's up and rolling. So, yeah, we'll be doing that in May. So... We'll see you there, right? Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> totally. I hope so. <laughs> um, where can people find out that info? Uh, com okay. or com. Okay. Or the Black Hills Photo Shootout group on Facebook. Perfect. And that is in May of 2022. Correct. Is there a seating limit? Uh, I think we've discussed 10 to 12, but... Okay. It hasn't officially yeah. been said. Okay. If it gets there, you'll decide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That's Sta- awesome. Starting to get full. <laughs> right. You know, we got a couple left. Get it while and, they're hot. And actually, I do know we're, I think we're close to halfway there really? already. So. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'll have to jump on it quick. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. It, it is a cool place. Um, well, I, I'd love to go out there. Yeah. That'd be very cool. I haven't done much in my own yeah, at all. And, and, you know, just another plug for it. What we're going to do is a little bit of landscape, a little bit of wildlife. Uh, a little bit of cowboys, uh, probably Ooh. some Native American powwow dancers, uh, some adventure sports, hiking, mountain biking, fly fishing. So, so you're doing those or photographing those? Photographing. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe I, both. Right? I'm sure if, if you want to grab the fly rod and try to catch a fish, I'm sure the fishermen won't mind. But excellent, and that is in Buffalo, Wyoming. Correct. Awesome. Um. Craziest photo story. Maybe not craziest, but an interesting photo story over the last few years. Hmm. Most of my stories end up being not about photography. All right. The, the crazy stories from, okay. from over the years. Here's a good one for you. Um, and it has nothing to do with photography. <laughs> but <laughs> um, Governor Bill Janklow was known as, uh, a lot of people called him Wild Bill. He was kind of known for not, necessarily following rules and things oh interesting so 
Um, it's a good example to set. As, as the tourism photographer, <laughs> most of the time you end up being also the governor's official photographer if he needs one or she. So um, one year there's an event at Lake Ponset called the Governor's Winter Games. And the governor happens to be um, at his home in Brandon, South Dakota. He's not in Pierre the weekend that event's going to happen. So Janklo calls our office and says, do you have anybody from tourism going to that event? I've got my two snowmobiles are on a trailer at the governor's mansion. Will you bring those to the event? So, so you're now the courier. Right. So All right. me and another guy. And, uh, so we go over to the governor's mansion and, uh, first thing I look at the trailer, these snowmobiles are sitting on and I'm like, these snowmobiles are not fastened to the trailer in any way. They're just sitting on it. And there's no license plate on the trailer. <laughs> but it's the governor. Oh, no. And we do what the governor says. So we hooked up to the trailer and we take off heading for Lake Ponset. And we're going through the town of Miller. And I was not driving, thank goodness. <laughs> But I noticed this truck coming from a side street, and it's been snowy and icy and stuff. And I said, I don't think that truck is going to stop. Oh, no. Slams right into the trailer. And I look back, and I can't even see the snowmobiles. They're just gone. (laughs) So, whoa, whoa, you drove with them unattached? We didn't have any. (laughs) What? (laughs) I mean, it's it's 7 o'clock in the morning. We got to be at this event at 9 or whatever it was, and, you know... It's the governor's snow. It's the way he handles them. I don't know. Oh, no. So anyway, <clears throat> the guy has totally mangled the trailer. The snowmobiles went flying sideways off end over end, tumbling across the street, ended up in the Miller High School parking lot with broken windshields and all kinds of stuff. And <clears throat> so, and I don't have any idea what this guy's name was, but he was driving with a suspended license oh, and all no. kinds of other stuff that he probably did not have a really good day. But, um, <clears throat> so we end up dragging the trailer down to this body shop and this guy straightens it out enough for us to throw the snowmobiles back on and get on the road. But in the meantime, luckily it wasn't me. <laughs> the other guy calls governor Janklo and says, here's what happened. Uh, your snowmobiles are trashed. <laughs> <laughs> your trailer is trashed. <laughs> And he says, well, what, you know, what are you going to do about it? So we'll, we'll see you when you get there. So we, we pull up and the governor walks out, walks around it, looks at it all over and says, unhook it, hook it back up to my truck. And that was the last we ever heard of it. Really? Nothing? Just, <laughs> it's just gone. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> crazy things have happened over the years. That is wild. Um, one that photography related uh i was taking pictures up near mount rushmore of um, a mountain goat and her baby and you know i've always tried to be very respectful of wildlife and giving them their distance and all that kind of thing and stuff but i was walking around and taking different pictures different angles and stuff for probably half an hour how far away oh i'd say 50 yards Mm -hmm. maybe a little less um but it didn't seem to be bothering them in any way, you know. And honestly, those mountain goats up at Mount Rushmore are quite used to people. Right. Around. So, um, but I'm taking pictures with my camera on the tripod and everything. And um, at one point, 
mama goat starts walking towards me. And so I start backing up and I'm backing and backing and she's still coming and I'm coming and I'm backing. And I finally went, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so I just stopped and I held my tripod out towards her, just held it mm-hmm. straight out towards her. And she walked up and turned her head and touched the end of my tripod with her horn and then turned around and walked back. It's like, I'm here? Yeah, kind of like, wow. that's enough pictures, you're done, get out of here. I'm like, okay, got the message. Oh, wow. So That's cool. Have you had any uh, mountain lion encounters? Um, Not, not like dangerous, but. Yeah, no, no attacks, sorry, yeah. I don't have that kind of story. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've seen them in the Needles in Custer State Park and in Badlands National Park. Um, usually, I mean, the one in the needles I got a, a picture of with my phone, but that's all the longer the encounter lasted. Mm-hmm. It was so fast. You know, they're, they're not interested in sitting around right. waiting for people to take pictures. So is that, um, something that you would uh, like kind of try for as like tourism or is that just, I mean, uh, the, most of the tourism wildlife pictures we did were just, you know, happenstance. Yeah. If they happen to be in the area. Okay. Gotcha. Um, of course, we we could always use pictures of a herd of buffalo around mm-hmm. a bunch of cars to illustrate that you can get that close. You know, you're mm-hmm. that and kind of get thing. Broken, but that's okay. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> but uh, most of the time we weren't out spending a whole bunch mm-hmm. of time sitting in a blind waiting for right. animals yeah. or that kind of thing that you know serious wildlife mm-hmm. photographers do. I have done that, but not not that yeah. often. Um, the buffalo roundup. Yeah, that is quite the uh, visual, right? I've 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 wanted to go, but I just haven't had the opportunity to actually be there. Um, is it pretty impressive to see? It is. Yeah, it, it's one of those great events that you know. Actually, he he kind of go, I, I I can't see this anywhere else. This yeah. is this is pretty darn cool. Um, and yeah, I, not to brag about things that we <laughs> got to do, but. Um, special access kind of things. I mean, yeah, I, I don't even want to really talk about this. Actually, okay. we're going to move on. Yes, I saw your pictures from nineteen because that's when I was out there. Okay, and and was the first like, um, it was during the photo shootout, sure. the first day, right? Or something. Um, and you had you got to go out there and obviously be where no one else can be. So cool. Mm, I mean, yeah. no other. <laughs> Some people are there. I think yeah. the governor was there and some of those, you know, the back, the back end, but gorgeous. Like that shot. What is that like? How crazy? Oh, it, it's fun. I mean, I've done so much stuff with Buffalo and, and other wildlife mm-hmm. over the years and stuff. And especially in Custer state park with the wildlife managers and stuff mm-hmm. there. So, you know, they've taught me a lot about what, what to do and what not to do and how to keep yourself safe and how to keep the animals safe and Mm -hmm. all that sort of thing. Um, so the, the Buffalo roundup, if you're shooting from one of the two viewing areas, they call them, um, as long as you got a really big telephoto lens, anybody can get the same shots I did. Um, that's really cool. But, um, that special access I got was I've, I've been in a, the back of a pickup chasing the buffalo many times. That's cool. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it, it, I used to say this is the most fun day of the whole year, every year. So, yeah. And, and not very often do you get where you're in the truck 
and you're in front of the herd where they're all coming at you. Oh, wow. You know, once in a while when that happens, you know, okay, this is really special. Mm-hmm. But most of the time it's, you know, shooting a bunch of buffalo butts as right. they go yeah. in front of you. Yeah. So, Yeah, it's kind of wild. Because they've done that for years, right? Yeah. Um, I want to say they just had their... 50th anniversary not was that what it was either this year or last year oh. i can't remember um but yeah it's been going on for a long long time quite a, quite a few of those years it was not a spectator event really nobody was even aware of it, it, it and it's not really i mean now the the evolution of it is it's now both a spectator event mm-hmm and an actual wildlife management tool. Right, because they, they um, want to count and see the, the health of the herd, right? Right, and they they vaccinate and brand mm. new calves okay. that have been born that year. They also separate out a certain number of the buffalo to sell off at an auction because the amount of uh, land in the park can only support gotcha. so many yeah. animals, so they need to mm-hmm. get rid of some of them at every you know fall. Right. Um, so that's, you know, it depends on who you ask. If you actually ask the actual wildlife managers of the park, it's all about that part right. of it. Um, if you ask the tourism department, it's all it's about all the about spectator that. event. So, Because yeah. hmm. it's quite the line trying to get in. If you want to go yes. see it nowadays, it's yes. um, a long wait. If, yeah. you're, if you're late. I, I'm going to have the numbers probably wrong here, but I want to say they open the gates to the viewing areas at like 5 a.m. And there's usually people that have been there possibly overnight. Are you serious? Don't yeah. oh, brother. I mean, so, it's neat and everything, but wow. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, whenever anybody asks me, I'm, I'm going to the roundup for the first time, you know, what, what are some tips? I say, bring get there patience. Early. Gotcha. You know, get there yeah. early and expect to sit around mm-hmm. and not see much for quite a long time. Hmm. Because it's usually right around 10 a.m. that the buffalo, the, the herd actually comes by and the roundup happens that you're watching. So if you've been there since five or earlier, it's been a long oh, day man. already by the time that That's happens. crazy. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chad Coppas, Dakota Graph on the uh, face bag, Facebook. Yep. Um, or just Chad Coppas on Facebook as well. Correct. Yep. <clears throat> Thanks for coming in. Certainly. It was fun. Yeah. It's nice to Good stuff. have some interaction. We talked a little bit a couple of years ago, but it's nice to to sit down a little bit and get a little more yeah. of your story. So thank you. Yeah. for Cool. Thanks for sharing. And hopefully well, we'll yeah, cross paths again. As we'll we, see you in Wyoming and in May Wyoming, and <laughs> the Black Hills photo shoot out in October, <laughs> September and October. That is the hope. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Chad, for hanging out with us today. This is the interview podcast along the Why Millbank Podcast Network. Whymillbank.com is our website. If you want to help support the show, you can click on the podcast button and go to donate or go to the interviewpodcast.org and click on the donate today button. You get to decide how much value you got out of the show. You can send it our way. Also, tell your friends about it. Share this out along your networks. If you want to subscribe on iTunes or any other podcast app that you use, that would be great. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Stay safe and we'll see you on the next one.